0: Hey, what's going on? This is Talking Football with Ray. Believe it or not, my name is Ray, and I'm the one that's here to talk football with you on this Tuesday, November the 16th, as we are officially into week 10 of the season. And we're going to talk about how those San Francisco 49ers have humbled the LA Rams in a Monday night blowout. The Patriots, Mac Jones, ladies and gentlemen, is locking up the Rookie of the Year. You're not ready to hear that yet. Wide receiver Michael Gallup is already making a huge impact to the Dallas Cowboys offense after returning after just one solitary game. The Ravens have released Le'Veon Bell in a division that is so difficult to navigate. The Steelers leaving the doors open for Ben Roethlisberger to return, and the Patriots are playing physical football on both sides of the ball. We're going to get into this here in just a second, but I got to tell you that over 1 billion users have downloaded the free Newsbreak app, getting access to all of their local news and content provided by Newsbreak. However, guys, not only is Newsbreak a sponsor of this channel, they're also my bosses. I have been marked as a top contributor for Newsbreak covering the NFL. What are you waiting for? Download the Newsbreak app with the link that I left in the description, and it directly supports my channel. Guys, if you want transparency, I'll just give you the transparency you want. Every time somebody downloads the Newsbreak app from my link, it directly puts money in my pocket. I noticed today that somebody did it yesterday. I appreciate you for doing that. Download the app, get unlimited free access to all of your local news and all of my NFL content for free while also supporting the channel and the podcast. It's a win-win for everybody, so please take the 30 seconds. Download the Newsbreak app from the link that I left in the description. All right, guys, so a couple of things I want to respond to here. Evan Lazar tweeted this day: quote, The difference between talent collecting and building a team. So true. Lewis Reddick feels like Bel- the Belichick, the GM, gets crap for doing the later instead of the former constantly, and I think every Patriots fan knows exactly what that means, right? How many times have we heard, "Well, Bill Belichick can't draft"? We're going to cover later on today how, at least in 2021, Belichick can draft. But like Patriot fans, and we do it all the time. I'm I'm guilty of it. We're always we always want more. We want Belichick to do more. Sign this guy. Sign that guy. Spend money. Don't cheap out. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah, he spent big money in this offseason. Brought in Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. We saw it, right? Obviously, Matthew Judon is best signing of the year. Kendrick Bourne is starting to become a pretty big piece of the Patriots offense. 141 yards out of him. Not bad. Nelson Aguilar, not quite there yet. Hopefully, he'll get there. But Belichick doesn't bring in, like, stars for the name of bringing in stars. He brings in guys that he believes will fit the Patriots system. And he does get crapped on a lot for it. And it's the same people who will say, well, Belichick never gave Brady any weapons. And then they'll idolize Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski. They'll just, they'll pretend like those guys never existed or they'll rip them in one tweet and then they'll go to the next tweet and be great with it. Why can't y'all just appreciate what Bill Belichick has done for the New England Patriots, a general manager? Come on. Let's get off the Patriots for one second, though, because Yates wrote this today. Christian McCaffrey played less than 60% of the snaps on Sunday and still caught 10 passes. Reminding all of us how there aren't any other players like him in fantasy. So first of all, I am a Christian McCaffrey fantasy owner. I had the first overall pick in both of my drafts this year, and I picked Christian McCaffrey in both of or both my pools this year. I apologize. And I took them on both, but forget fantasy for a second. Lots of people like to focus on fantasy. Forget fantasy. Let's just talk pure football for a second. And I know that, like, my boy Lawrence is going arg- to argue with me about Jonathan Taylor. I know that there's Titans fans out there going to be like, look at Derrick Henry. There might be some Browns fans who are delusional enough to talk about, you know, Nick Chubb. There might be some really, really delusional Patriot fans who are being like, well, look at Damian Harris and Romandre Stevenson. And, you know, I think Damian Harris should be considered in the same level as, Nick Chubb however there is no running back that impacts the game like Christian McCaffrey both in the run game and the pass game there's none of them I think he had like like 140 yards or 160 yards combined rushing and passing and receiving the other day Christian McCaffrey since last season's become a little bit of I guess you call it an injury liability but outside of that if he can stay healthy I used to say that Lamar Jackson was the most single important player on a team and what Cam Newton, P.J. Walker, they did fine. What Cam Newton didn't energize this team. And having a guy like Christian McCaffrey back in the lineup his second game in, getting him the ball, getting him moving, that's what makes that Carolina offense tick. There's not a single running back in the NFL that you can put in front of me and say he's better than Christian McCaffrey. Because if you try, I will laugh at you. I don't need you throwing stats at me. I don't need a, nobody is more dominant than Christian McCaffrey, and the stats will prove that when he's on the field. I love Christian McCaffrey, man. So there was a lot of ish that got talked about. Mac Jones, who's now in the running for rookie of the year, by the way. Again, when when he gets to the news blitz, we'll get a little deeper into that. A lot of the media, a lot of fans. Hey, back when I was uh, the host of Dear Pat's Nation with my boy Connor, we both said that we would have been good with Mac Jones or Trey Lance. I fell in love with Trey Lance. I was enamored by him on the Patriots offense. They took Mac Jones. We were happy. But I mean, if we were okay with Trey Lance or Mac Jones, we obviously weren't 100% sold on Mac. And I can admit that now. And for those of you who are here just for football talk and don't know about me, I am a Patriots fan. Full disclosure. However, when we talk about it, a lot of people talked ish. There were a lot of Patriot fans that didn't trust Mac Jones. And there's a lot of receipts online. But the media was all over him. He doesn't throw like Patrick Mahomes. Blah, 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 blah. He can't run. He can't do this. He can't do that. Tyron Matthew wrote this on Twitter today. He said, Mac Jones wasn't trendy enough for y'all at first, was he? Huh? Now y'all love him. Man, y'all funny. Day in and day out. Y'all should be on Comedy Central. He don't throw a sidearm or run fast, so people knocked him. Dude can play quarterback, period. As a New England Patriots fan, let me put a special shout out to the Kansas City Chief, Tyron Matthew. I don't know what prompted it. I don't know why he decided that he wanted to defend. Mac Jones, I accepted it. I accept, you know, I accept his... Defending, I accept him pointing out what I think a lot of us know now. Tyron Matthew went to Louisiana State University. I was just confirming that. I I thought maybe it was an Alabama guy, but no, it wasn't an Alabama guy. So it's not like it's even his Alamada. So I'm happy, man. I'm happy when he can be acknowledged by one of the best safeties in the game. And let's face it, Tyron Matthews is one of the best safeties in the game. My boy McChicken, which a lot of the YouTube audience knows. He's been a guest on the show here before, or he was. It was the old show, Dear Pat's Nation. But he was a guest on this YouTube channel. He was. Uh, he's He's a moderator in the chat. He's a presence on here. He wrote this to me today. He says his contract's up after this year, and he's talked about his displeasure with Chiefs fans. D is probably going to retire. It's time Ron Matthews setting himself up to be a New England Patriot. Has Mac Jones impressed the world enough that he's now going to attract people to play for the Patriots? Because remember, only Tom Brady could attract people to play for the Patriots before. Nobody wanted to play for Bill Belichick. Well, maybe they still don't. Even though I think free agency said they did. There's no way Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are sitting there going like, well, well, I got to sign with them because I get to play Cam Newton. The allure of Bill Belichick will continue on and it will be because of Mac Jones. And Connor and I joked about it yesterday and said, well, you know, there's going to come a time that people are going to say, well, you know, Belichick can only win a Super Bowl with elite quarterbacks. Is it time to call Mac Jones an elite quarterback? I want to know from Patriot fans. Let me know in the comments. I want to know. If you're not watching live, leave me, leave it in the comments. Tweet at me at DPN underscore Ray. I want to know. Can we start to refer to Mac Jones as an elite quarterback? All right, guys, this next segment is brought to you by my Patreon page. When you join the Ray Route Patreon page, you'll get four exclusive videos fueled by subjects that you give me every single week. That's right. When you become a Patreon member, you'll get videos exclusive to Patreon Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But that's not all. Every second Friday, I host a Patreon hangout for all the Patreon members. And you have the opportunity to hang out on the screen with me and all of the other Patreon members to chat about football life and basically just friends chopping it up basically about everything. Uh, I also don't believe in making huge money off of this thing. I Listen, I I have companies like Newsbreak, and I got another opportunity coming down the line. They're going to pay me my money, okay? I don't believe in having different tiers. I don't uh, believe in excluding people because of the amount of money they want to pay. I have one tier. It's $5. That's it. Everybody pays the same thing, and everybody gets all of the perks, including the link to our Discord page that is exclusive to our Patreon group, and we are actively chatting about football. So come on, guys, don't wait any longer. Sign up for the Patreon page by clicking the link I've left in the description, or you can simply go over to www.patreon.com slash sports. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Come join our little community of football fans over on Patreon. And one thing that I do every day is ask for comments and questions. There's a bunch of them. So as soon as I'm done recording the podcast today, I'm going to go over. And I'm going to answer those questions exclusively for Patreon. But I put two of them on the podcast today so you can see how kind of it goes. And then, obviously, I'll answer the rest on Patreon. Alex says, do you think that the missing piece in the offensive line was Trent Brown? Because overall, they gave Mac more time in the pocket and bigger holes on for the running backs. It seems coincidental, right, that the offensive line's probably second best day came with Trent Brown. But their best day came without Trent Brown. That was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they did really, really well. I'm a little concerned about Mike Onwinu and what he's going to do now because obviously Ted Karras has taken his job. I know he came in and and relieved Trent Brown at time, and they kind of rotated through, but Trent Brown had most of the snaps at right tackle. Isaiah Wynn had a day. Uh, He went head-to-head with Miles Garrett, and he did really, really well. Uh, Nikhil Harry's been involved in the blocking game. I don't know if you saw that that video on Twitter of Nikhil Harry just absolutely laying out Miles Garrett, like just blowing him up in the line of scrimmage. It was phenomenal. Uh, Trent Brown was a big piece, though. He was obviously a big piece coming back to the team. It shirt up the right side, but I think on Wien who's been doing that. So I'm not necessarily ready to say he was the missing piece, but I mean, he took care of Davion Clowney. There was just shots of him just absolutely destroying him. Yes. Or on a Sunday. So yeah, I'm going to be non-committal to that answer, but you can get what I'm saying here. Thomas says, thanks for your question, Alex. Thomas says, Bruce Arian said that they didn't take this season as serious as last season and they need to change that. Do you think that's the biggest reason they lost against Washington? Uh no, I think they lost against Washington because well, maybe they're a little unprepared, but for some reason, Washington just stands up and plays against uh the Buccaneers. Now, Washington defense has been a little bit underestimated. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a rough go now with Chase Young out. Ron Rivera also knows how to play Tom Brady. He's always coached him well. If you look at the history between the Panthers and the Patriots when Rivera was there. I think Mac Jones is or uh, sorry Cam Newton is undefeated against Tom Brady. Brady may have beat the Panthers but he's never beat Cam Newton. I think they're going to get a shot to play each other now. Two former Patriots quarterbacks. Anyways, um if they didn't take it serious that's not Bruce Arians. You know that's that whole Super Bowl hangout, whole hangover thing, right? Guys not being prepared for the next season because they win the Super Bowl or lose the Super Bowl, we hear about that all the time. There's some leadership in that locker room, though, like Tom Brady, who can normally keep things on track. And perhaps it wasn't just Brady who kept the Patriots on track during that time. Maybe it had a little bit to do with Bill Belichick, even though people want to act like Bill Belichick had nothing to do with the six Patriots Super Bowls. I remember after the Eagles won, it was that whole offseason and Lane Johnson was running around doing that whole, you know, the Patriots don't have fun and they were so focused on the Patriots and... People are just ripping on New England and all through the thing. And I remember Teddy Bruschi. I can't, I think he was on like Rob Parker and somebody else. He finally came out and he goes, listen, you can't win back-to-back Super Bowls with dog masks and trick plays. And he was basically challenging the Eagles and saying like, you guys are talking a lot of ish for a team that's probably not going to go back to the Super Bowl. Now the, the Buccaneers have a lot more talent than that Philadelphia Eagles team did. However, you kind of get the point, right? You get the whole. You kind of understand what he was getting at. Like, all right, enjoy your Super Bowl. Enjoy what you're getting. Enjoy what you're getting out of it. But don't don't just think that. Hey, you know you're good now. I'm just going to do this straight on my camera a bit. Don't don't be acting like you're you're all that in a bag of potato chips. They're, you know, this is still the NFL. You still got a lot of work that you got to put in. So I don't know if I believe they didn't take it serious. That might just be Bruce Arians calling out his team, but we'd have to see what the end results were. Like I said, there's a bunch of more questions like that over on the Patreon page. I will be going over and doing an exclusive video for them right after I finish recording this. So if you want to see me answer everybody else's questions, make sure you go on over there, drop it off. It's like having another podcast uh, over on Patreon. But it's now time to finish off this show with the uh, NFL News Blitz, six stories. Here we go. The Los Angeles Rams are now the best team on paper. Earlier this season, they gave up two first-round draft picks to acquire Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions. Two weeks ago, they gave the Denver Broncos a second- and third-round pick for all-pro linebacker Vaughn Miller. Last week, they won the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes, adding the three-time Pro Bowl receiver to their team. Fans and media around the NFL deemed the Rams Super Bowl favorites, and after starting the season 7-1, and the Rams have dropped two straight games since adding Miller and Beckham to the team. The Associated Press wrote, after a nearly two-month stretch that featured one win and far too many disappointments, the San Francisco 49ers were running out of time to establish an identity this season. An opening 18-play touchdown drive gave the rival Los Angeles Rams a pretty good start or against the Los Angeles Rams was a pretty good start. The Niners did a good job keeping the ball away from Stafford in the first half. They had an 18-play, 93-yard drive that took 11 minutes and three seconds off the clock off of Ward's, after Ward's interception. It was capped off by an eight-yard touchdown pass from Garoppolo to Kittle. That was the second opening drive of at least 18 plays in the last, uh, in the past eight seasons, with Houston doing it earlier this year against New England. San Francisco then had an 11-play, 91-yard touchdown in his second possession, capped off by Samuel's eight-yard run to take a 21-7 lead. The Rams have been humbled over the last two weeks. And Daniel Valente the Score wrote that the Los Angeles Rams have come back down to earth after losing two games in a row following a 7-1 and one start. The two-game slide was capped off with a 31-10 beatdown at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night. However, head coach Sean McVay believes the disappointing performances are not a true reflection of his club. Quote, I choose to believe that these last couple of weeks are not who we are, McVay said, according to Curtis Crabtree of Pro Football Talk. I refuse to believe that even though you know what, you're only as good as your last game, these last two weeks have certainly been humbling. And it was a bad day for Rams receivers, but Matthew Stafford isn't losing faith in his teammates. Cameron DeSilva of Rams Wire wrote that, a week after playing an uncharacteristically sloppy game against the Titans, the Rams came back with another terrible performance in their 31-10 loss to the 49ers on Monday night. They weren't nearly as many penalties, but the self-inflicted wounds were still a big problem, specifically... The Rams dropped far too many passes. Tyler Higaby dropped two passes, one that resulted in a pick six, and another that caused the Rams to go three and out. Cooper Cup dropped the ball that would have moved the chains on third down, failing to adjust to a pass that was slightly behind him. Van Jefferson dropped what would have been a sure touchdown, as well as another deep shot over the middle, missing out on a big gain in the second half. Despite all those mental errors, Matthew Stafford isn't losing confidence in his receivers after the drop-filled night. Over the last few seasons, there was an argument that Bill Belichick, the general manager, hindered Bill Belichick, the head coach. Belichick did a pretty good job in free agency and trades, but Belichick couldn't build a team through the draft. The 2021 NFL draft has blown that narrative away. Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, and Ramondre Stevenson. Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe wrote, "The Patriots own the 15th pick in this year's draft." The prevailing notion was that they would need to trade up to select their quarterback of the future. Trevor Lawrence was expected to go number one to Jacksonville and Zach Wilson number two to the Jets, but projections for Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones varied. But in turn, it turns out the Patriots got the player they wanted without spending any additional draft capital or personnel. Jones fell right into their laps at number 15. For Belichick, though, Jones is just one of at least three successful p- picks that he made this year. The Patriots also came away with defensive tackle Christian Barmore in the second round and running back Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth. The Patriots had their fair share of misses over the last five drafts, drafts, such as whiffing on kicker Justin Robwasser, 5th, 159th overall, in 2020, and cornerback Duke Dawson, 2nd, 56th overall in 2018. Drafted wide receiver Nikhil Harry first in the first round of the 32nd overall in 2019 was also drawn criticism given that other receivers were still on the board. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. And Harry's underwhelming production. But Jones, Barmore, and Stevenson, Belichick, and director of player personnel Dave Zagler seem to have found three building blocks for the future. Now somebody forgot to tell the Patriots that they were supposed to be in quarterback purgatory. After Tom Brady took his talents down to Tampa Bay, the Patriots were supposed to stink for a long time. Uh, but now Mac Jones is locking up that Rookie of the Year award. Dan Granzino of ESPN wrote, Mac Jones has the Offensive Rookie of the Year award locked up, and it's likely Jones and Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase, and I think that history of the award shows that a wide receiver would be w- has to be way better than a similarly qualified quarterback to win it. The last wideout to take home the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014, when the top three quarterbacks picked in the draft were Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, and Teddy Bridgewater. If Jones really does keep getting better as the season goes along, and if the Patriots make the playoffs in his rookie season, especially if they beat out the favored Buffalo for the division title, it's going to be tough to deny him the award. The Patriots' remaining schedule outside of the two Buffalo games offers the opportunity for Jones to put up some numbers and the two Buffalo games offer him the opportunity to look like a prime-time performer. Right now, he's on track to win the award. And it now seems that Ramondre Stevenson is out of Bill Belichick's doghouse. Eric Scalvinino of thepatriots.com wrote in his recent mailbag, says, Do you think we could see rookie Ramondre Stevenson take over the running back one duties once Damian Harris comes back? He looks to be a better receiver and has a little more X factor to his game. Maybe not immediately, but perhaps in the future. Stevenson has great potential as he demonstrated thus far. Harris is no slouch though. Both players, when healthy and available, will likely be used as a one-two punch combination, regardless of which one gets the first snap of the game. That, in the long term, would be an interest of the offense. Now the Dallas Cowboys are starting to get some reinforcement backs, and It started last Sunday against Atlanta when Michael Gallup and Tristan Hill returned to the Cowboys lineup. Uh, And though it wasn't a direct result, it helped the Cowboys blow out the Atlanta Falcons. Brian Martin of SB Nation blogging the boys wrote, While Michael Gallup hadn't played since week one this year and Tristan Hill hadn't played all this season, both players ended up making some key plays in week 10 for the Dallas Cowboys. Both players have showed a little rust in their return to action, but they were also welcome additions to the Cowboys roster. Now that both Gallup and Hill have knocked off a little bit of that rust, they should continue to improve and play a key role in the Cowboys moving forward. What's even more exciting is the fact that they're just a small percentage of the reinforcement that Dallas could be getting back in the next few weeks. The Cowboys already had one of the best offenses in the NFL, and when you add Gallup to the lineup and give Dak Prescott a great deep threat, the sky is the limit for the Dallas offense. His first game back to the lineup, and Gallup is already making an impact. Patrick Walker of CBS Sports wrote, It didn't even take long for Gallup to get back and do what he does best, make plays for Dallas. Michael Gallup is back, and he wasted no time making sure that everyone knew it one of the most talented wide receivers on the Dallas Cowboys roster and one who has already established himself as a 1000-yard receiver in the NFL it didn't take long for Gallup to start galloping either dak prescott would be sure to get him involved early tapping him for an 11-yard pass on the first possession of the game before u- using their chemistry prescott isn't going to shy away from throwing his deep to his deep ball threat having had to play the majority of the season already without him, and considering his contract year for Gallup, you can bet that he's ready to get back to business and bullying any defensive back who tries to shrink his 2022 bag. And now, though things went well on Sunday, Jerry Jones is always worried about the long term. And Dak Prescott is the most important piece and the most important piece of the future of the 2021 season. Jerry Jones wasn't thrilled when Dak takes unnecessary risks. Chase Goodbread of NFL.com wrote that Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones didn't care to see his star quarterback Dak Prescott powered through a linebacker at the goal line for an all-but-meaningless late touchdown and a win over the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. With the Cowboys leading 36-3 late in the third quarter, Prescott ran a play-action bootleg to the left. But instead of throwing, he ran straight into the Falcons linebacker, Mikel Walker, then took a hit from behind from defensive lineman Anthony Rush as he muscled through Walker for the score. Jones naturally sees Prescott's health as far more important than six points in a blowout win. You can't really blame Jerry Jones there, can you? I mean... I'm not a Cowboys fan, so I'm not saying that like I'd be depressed to see Dak Prescott go, but as an overall football fan, yeah, I'd be really disappointed to see Dak Prescott out of the NFL. The NFL is better with its best players. I mean, a part of me is disappointed that the Patriots didn't get to play Nick Chubb last week. I mean, it worked for them, so I'm not going to complain, but you always want to see, I always say you want to see the best on best. I hate not being able to see the best on best. Now, the Baltimore Ravens are currently sitting atop the AFC North, but they aren't running away with it. Actually, every team in the North has an opportunity to rip off a winning streak, and if the Ravens don't match the wins, well, they won't find themselves in first for very long. The Ravens know that they're in a dogfight, and Baltimore will go as far as their secondary brings them, and the Ravens will have to do it without their former star running back, Le'Veon Bell. Alex Chippen of The Score wrote, The Baltimore Ravens released running back Le'Veon Bell, who appeared in five contests for the club, a source told ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Le'Veon Bell also tweeted, quote, it hurts, but it's been a blessing to be here. And to say the least, I've enjoyed every second of this short period and got a whole new meaning of what this city is like. And it's a great place to be. I appreciate Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh for the opportunity to be called a Raven. Now, across five outings, Bell rushed for 83 yards and two touchdowns off of 31 handoffs, averaging just 2.7 yards per carry. The 29-year-old was one of the NFL's most productive and versatile running backs while playing for the AFC North rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, from 2013 to 2017. However, since 2019, he's bounced between the New York Jets, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Ravens. Now, winning the AFC North is going to be really tough, and John Harbaugh knows What the Ravens will be in and the kind of dogfight they're going to have for the rest of this season if they want to try to continue to hold on to that first place in the North. Robert Sobus of the Ravens Wire wrote The Baltimore Ravens left Miami with their third loss of the 2021 season in week 10 as they fell to the Dolphins team that only had two wins prior to their Thursday night football matchup. Despite the tough defeat, Baltimore remains ahead of the tough AFC North entering week 11. On Monday, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh held his weekly Monday press conference, and while addressing the media, Harbaugh noted that the first goal for the team is to win the AFC North, saying that they're in a divisional fight and have to find a way to win their next game. Five of the remaining eight games for Baltimore are against divisional foes, with the other three coming against the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Ravens have dealt with a lot of injuries this season, and it's tough to figure out where they should be ranked amongst sort of all the playoff contenders. However, it's pretty clear that Baltimore will go as far as its secondary brings them. Brian DiArdo of CBS Sports wrote, how far the Ravens go in the playoffs will largely come down to their defense, especially Baltimore's secondary. The unit is dead last in the NFL in passing yards allowed. With the trade deadline passed, the Ravens will likely have to continue to lean on their current group to resolve the issue. More success from Jackson and company on third down would cut down on their secondary time on the field, as the Ravens offense is currently 28th in the NFL in third down efficiency. 28th. You got people arguing that he's the best quarterback in the league in their 28th and third down efficiency. I don't know. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been hit hard by injuries in COVID-19 cases. Ben Roethlisberger missed the Steelers' embarrassing tie with the Detroit Lions after testing positive for COVID. Uh, but Mike Tomlin isn't counting out Big Ben to start week 11. Tomlin is also hopeful that TJ Watt will be available. However, Tomlin doesn't believe that Minka Fitzpatrick will play. Daniel Valente of the score wrote, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin left the door open for Ben Roethlisberger to return for week 11, but says the team will plan for Mason Rudolph to start. Roethlisberger, who landed on the COVID-19 list on Sunday, has a chance to play in the Sunday night bout against the Los Angeles Chargers if he's asymptomatic and produces two negative tests. Rudolph completed 60% of his passes for one touchdown to one interception in his last Sunday 16-16 tie with the Detroit Lions. The 26-year-old struggled with accuracy, and though Pittsburgh's pass catchers committed two costly fumbles in overtime, the Steelers are also expected to be without Minka Fitzpatrick for the matchup against the Chargers after placing him on the COVID-19 list Monday. Pittsburgh has won four of the last five in route to a 5-3-1 record. Now, obviously, trying to replace Mika Fitzpatrick is an impossible task. And Tomlin says it's going to take multiple people to make up for the loss. Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk wrote that the Steelers are leaving the door open for quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and linebacker TJ Watt to play against the Chargers in Week 11. But head coach Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday that they do not expect to have safety Mika Fitzpatrick after he tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday. At his press conference, Tomlin discussed plans to replace Fitzpatrick in the secondary. He said it would be a multi-person discussion that will include Miles Killebrew and Trey Norwood. Fitzpatrick has started all 40 regular season and playoff games the Steelers have played since acquiring him in a trade with the Dolphins early in the 2018 season. He has 64 tackles and forced to fumble in his first nine games of this season. Now, one thing became clear on Sunday. Mason Rudolph... Will not be replacing Ben Roethlisberger when he retires. So, what exactly is the Steelers succession plan? Joe Starkey of the Post Gazette answered a mailbag question that asked if the Steelers had failed on their quarterback succession plan after Ben Roethlisberger. And he said, clearly, the Steelers misevaluated Rudolph. Kevin Colbert said that he had graded him as first round talent. And the minute he said it, it became clear Rudolph was going to be groomed as Ben's eventual replacement. But I must ask, how many teams actually formulate and execute a long-term succession plan at quarterback? How many go from one franchise quarterback to the next in a smooth, well-thought-out transition? Quarterbacks can come in all kinds of places. Several will hit the open market as always next off season, and several will be available beyond the top five picks of the draft. The Ravens got Lamar Jackson at the bottom of the first round. The Patriots found Mac Jones in the middle of the first, the Cowboys found Dak Prescott in the fourth, the Bucks stumbled into Tom Brady. And who knows if a similar scenario with another star quarterback presents itself this off season. I'm going to throw something out as a Patriots fan right now. I was in this, uh, quarterback purgatory last season it sucks i am so happy the patriots got mac jones i'm so happy that this was such a strong quarterback class that he was still around with the 15th overall pick again i think that teams like atlanta possibly philly are going to look at this and and regret making this move if green bay was going to piss off aaron Rodgers and trade up and take a quarterback this probably would have been the year to do it Listening to other fan bases get upset about it though makes me feel so good right now, and I really should. It's such a, such a douche thing for me to 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 be like. The New England Patriots are headed to Atlanta for a little Thursday night football, and that means the Patriot fans get to pull out their twenty-eight to three memes and remind the Falcons of what happened during Super Bowl Fifty-One. The teams have changed drastically, but the Falcons may be hoping that they don't have to deal with the triple-headed monster of Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and Brandon Bolden. However, the Patriots got some good news today about Harris. And the Patriots have established their identity. They are playing physical, both on offense and defense, and they are willing to hand out some punishment. Tara Sullivan of the Boston Globe wrote that it's the NFL meme that will never go away. And that's just fine with Patriot fans. With the Patriots packing their bags for Atlanta and a Thursday night matchup with the Falcons, here comes the memory of 28-3. Of course, much has changed since then, and not only with the departure of Quinn from the Falcons, replaced this year by former Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. Tom Brady and his 232 fourth quarter and overtime passing yards have moved on to Tampa Bay to torture new teams on the way to a championship. James White and his game-winning overtime touchdown is on injured reserve. Julian Edelman and his gravity-defined reception is retired. Now, it's early, but a brilliant display by Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden on Sunday versus the Browns. You know, Damian Harris has returned to Patriots practice, and things can get a little scary for Atlanta because Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald wrote, The Patriots running back Damian Harris was present for an in-stadium walkthrough Tuesday after being listed as a non-participant on the team's hypothetical injury report Monday. The Patriots are currently readying themselves for a trip to play the Falcons on Thursday night. The team will not hold a single practice in pads this week, instead relying on non-contact walkthroughs and intense off-field study to prepare. And I can't put this any nicer than this. The Patriots are bullying their opponents this year. They've established their identity. Their physicality has become apparent in the last four games. And it's getting kind of scary if you're an offensive or defensive player that's got to play the Patriots. And Chris Mason of Mass Live wrote that after the Patriots pummeled the Browns on Sunday afternoon, Bill Belichick addressed his team in the winning locker room. As the Patriots have ripped off four straight wins, they've begun bullying opponents. New England has outscored their competitors 150 to 50. Uh, They've run for at least 140 yards in all of their victories. And the best passer rating for an opposing starter has been Zach Wilson with 73.3. They've been getting better. They've been getting after the quarterback early and often. According to defensive captain Dante Hightower, set the tone physically has been a point of emphasis. And Matt DeJudon believes toughness is forged in training camp for the summer and pointed to two players in particular who have made the entire squad better. Are you ready for this? Shaq Mason and Ted Karras. Now is the NFL News Blitz. Because the NFL News Blitz is over, that means I am done talking about football today. That means the podcast is finished. My name is Ray. This is my podcast, this is my show. And it's called Talking Football with Ray. Straight to the point. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Don't forget to check out the Patreon page. Don't forget, download the Newsbreak app. Don't forget, I'm back tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube. Even though I'm not really live, it's pre-recorded. Download the podcast if you can't watch it on YouTube, uh, wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever podcasts are distributed, you can get it there. Appreciate y'all. I hope you all have a good day. I hope you're all doing well. And don't never, ever, ever forget, you're all legit, kid.